1 John chapter number 2, verse number 14 through 17. 1 John chapter number 2, verses 14 through 17. If you found it, say amen. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I want to preach something for a while this morning, and if you know me, you know I don't, I'm not crazy about holiday weekends. feel a pressure to preach a holiday message rather than what God gave you. It just so happens today I feel like God gave me a father's message. So, amen. Hopefully when I'm done, you'll feel the same way. I looked up here and saw all these men and young men across the front playing music and singing and I realized that if you're not on this platform today, you don't have any talent. <laughs> I figured that's when I knew, that's when I knew you really can't sing. If they got that many men up there and you're not in the group. <laughs> so all you fella guys like me, happy Father's Day. And all you guys on the stage, you're on your own. I have written to you unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I want to preach for a while old commandments in a new world. Look at somebody and tell them old commandments in a new world. God, I pray you help me to preach. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to send your anointing into this place. Not by power or might, but by your spirit. I pray, God, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost fall in this place. And God, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise this morning. And lift your voice with that hand clap and let's worship the Lord.
Amen. God bless you. You can be, well, some of you beat me to it. The word men appears in the Bible 1,653 times. The word man appears 2,614 times. That's 4,267 total times that God refers to men or man. Beyond that, the word father appears 852 times. The word fathers appears 514 times. And fathers showing possession with an apostrophe appears another 137 times. These, along with other references to fathers, such as the Greek word Abba, fathers are referred to 1,510 times. For those of you keeping track, the Bible addresses adult males 5,777 times. Obviously, God has a lot to say to men. In your Bibles, you'll find a young man by the name of Timothy. He was a prominent and powerful young ministry in the days of the early church. Paul had a close mentoring relationship with Timothy and held him in high regard. It was to Timothy that Paul wrote the words, let no man despise thy youth. It was an instruction to a young man to live his life in such a way that people would not use his young age against him. Paul also knew that there would be critical people in the church and in society who would be against young people being used of God and leading in ministry. And so Paul felt like it was his duty to stand by and train Timothy for the work of the Lord. Until Paul came along, Timothy's primary spiritual role models were his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. Timothy's own biological father was a Greek. He was neither Jew nor Christian. So Paul knew that Timothy needed a role model, someone to operate in the role of a spiritual father. To Paul, Timothy was a spiritual son, and so he felt it was his responsibility to teach him spiritual responsibility and Christian responsibility from a male perspective. 1 Timothy 2, 8 and 9. Paul tells Timothy, out therefore, that men pray everywhere, holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness, priority, not broad hair or gold or pearls or array. 
If I may, I'd like to look at these two scriptures. First Timothy 2, 8 and 9, starting with verse 9 and then going back to verse 8. Because we believe and teach holiness standards for the church. Amen. They're biblical and they're important. Every six to eight months, we have those that are on the platform sign a covenant declaring what we believe doctrinally and in holiness. And if you're on the platform or teach a class, we expect the things in that covenant to be adhered to. Amen. As a church, you should be thankful that we have a high standard for people who act in the role of an example for our young people and our little ones. Amen. You don't have to help me preach today. It's Father's Day. I'll just preach by myself. No one's perfect, and no church is perfect. But we want those in ministry to know that there is a high calling on people that serve as examples. After digressing a bit, let me get back to my main point. Paul was not shy in declaring that Pentecostal biblical Christian women have an expectation of holy living. Amen. He told Timothy in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with same face and a sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Paul let the ladies of the church know that they were not other women in the world and that God held his Holy Ghost filled women to a higher standard than that of the Greeks or the Romans or other cultures. You can say amen. I'm not going to stay there long. Go ahead and just wave your hand and say amen. I'm preaching the Bible to you this morning. Amen. These standards of Christian conduct were directed towards the women in particular. Though holiness is not omitted for men. There are also standards of holiness that apply to men's dress. However, that was not Paul's point in this particular passage. Before I go back to verse number eight, I want to touch on verse number nine for just a moment more. First Timothy two and nine, it says in like manner also. These first four words, in like manner also, it means in the same way that I just said, in the same way that I just spoke. He's saying, I just said something to the men and just like that for the women. Amen. Praise God. Y'all okay this morning? Y'all are wondering where in the world I'm going today. I understand that. Can I tell you that very often we major on preaching to our women. But Paul said, Timothy, what I just said to the men is in like manner that the women should adorn themselves in modest apparel. What he's saying is that before I talk to the women of the church, 
I had some things to say to the men of the church. Praise God. In the same way that I just spoke to the men that women ought to. Now, there are some things, men, that are matters of holiness to you and I. Praise God. That can't be seen walking through the mall with long hair and long skirts. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't see it in the heart of a man. Praise God. Paul enforced holiness standards of modesty upon the women in the same manner that he had just referred to some things with men. Paul was saying, before I listed modesty for the sisters, I made some holiness requirements of the men in the church first. So now let's go back to verse number eight and see what Paul preached to the men of the church. First Timothy two and eight, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Paul said, before I told the women anything about modesty and shamefacedness and sobriety and gold and all that stuff, I made some points to the men. And if you're going to make your women live a certain way, then men, there's a certain way you ought to live too. Praise God. He said, first of all, men, if you're going to be holy, you can't be holy unless you're men of prayer. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere. Men, you cannot be holy if you don't have a prayer life. You can follow every outward standard. You can clap your hands and shout. But if you don't have a prayer life, you cannot be holy. Well, praise God. Amen. Well, I'll wait for y'all to quit shouting before I can get back to. Come on, men. You got to lead your homes in prayer. When men pray, the devil gets scared. When men pray, the devil starts to tremble. When men pray, revival comes to a church. Men, I'm calling on fathers today. I'm calling on fathers and I'm calling on young men to be men of prayer in this generation. Amen. Your, most, your most, most often prayed prayer ought to not be thank you, Lord, for this food. He said, if you want your ladies to live holy, men, you got to live holy. And it starts by being a man of prayer. And then he said, lift up holy hands. Gentlemen, you cannot be holy if you are not a worshiper. If you sit dead and dry through a worship service with your arms folded and never moving, you are not holy in the eyes of God. Paul said, Timothy, if you're going to be holy, you got to be ready to pray everywhere and you got to be willing to lift your hands. Can I tell you, real men worship. Real men worship. Praise God. Real men are not ashamed to lift their hand to heaven and acknowledge that there is a heavenly father that's higher than I am, that's greater than I am, and my worship 
is not tied to my ego. It doesn't make me weak to, to, to acknowledge that I need to worship God. But it's not just lift your hands in worship, but lift up holy hands. Hands that have not been used for sin. Men that have not been in hands that have not been involved in carnality and worldliness. Gentlemen, there is a call upon men in this generation to step out and be godly like never before. Men can only be holy at church and then be carnal at work. It's not one life when I come through the doors of the church and another life when I'm at home. God, help me. Come on, you don't want to help me. At least the ladies ought to be saying amen. He didn't stop there. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Oh, Lord Jesus. Without wrath. Men, you cannot be... You cannot be grumpy all the time and always growling like a bear and constantly full of anger and rage and be holy at the same time. Well, praise God. I didn't expect a whole lot of amens from you, from you men this morning, but I expect maybe you ladies are afraid because your husband's so full of anger all the time. Men, you need to pray through till you get joy in your heart. Hallelujah. Don't let your children's main memories of you be when you were mad and angry and fussing about something. Well, that's good, that's good preaching. Amen. Some of y'all were saying more amens when I was on the ladies, but now it's, oh me, I'm going to tell you, God, help me not to be so full of wrath and anger all the time. Help me, God. Help me, God to get joy and peace in my spirit so I don't take my rage and anger out on everybody around me. I don't want my family to have to be on eggshells around me all the time. I don't want them to always have to be worried that if they do one little thing wrong that I'm going to go off like a volcano and they won't. My God. Hallelujah. Somebody say preach. Somebody say preach to me, preacher. I'm going to tell you, Paul said, if you want to be holy, you've got to learn to control your wrath. Praise God. Woo, glory. And doubting. Don't be cynical. Every time you hear a revival story or a miracle story, don't, don't be of the spirit that says, well, I don't know if that really happened or not. Because you cannot really be holy and be full of doubt all the time. Amen. God, let faith begin to operate in the heart and the mind of your men. Holy Ghost filled men in this generation. Can I, let me just tell you that I hope that by the time that you get full of the Holy Ghost, that you'll believe that there's Holy Ghost revival in this generation. Amen. Don't look at Hollywood and the stock market and the political situation and the drug situation and the crime situation and say, there's no hope for my family. God, baptize us with hope and faith so that doubt will go away. God, help me. Help my faith to increase. 
Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. I heard somebody over there helping me preach, and I like it. Amen. God has some things to say, men. 1 John 2 and 7, brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word, which ye have heard from the beginning. Men, you know, I'm not preaching something new to you today. I'm not preaching some new fangled doctrine to you today. What I'm preaching to you is stuff that Bible-believing Christians have believed all the way back to the upper room. Amen. I'm not preaching a new commandment. I'm preaching an old commandment to a new generation, to a new world. This new world needs to see what a Christian man really is all about. Am I preaching anybody? I'm telling you that you need to hold yourself to a higher standard than the man that you work next to does. You need to hold yourself to a higher standard than the neighbor down the street. You need to say, God, help me be a true Christian man. Not a new commandment. Help me to follow the old commandment in a new world. This new world has no stomach. For godly, strong men. Amen. If you're going to call the woke police, you better dial 911 right now. Because I'm telling you that this generation that wants to do away with godly manliness, true biblical manliness, is a generation that is opening a Pandora's box of wickedness that when it's all said and done is going to leave this world crumbled. But God raise up Holy Ghost filled men to lead their homes in prayer and worship and faithfulness and giving and servanthood. God help us. It's not a new, I know in this modern woke generation that's trying to get away from gender specificity, specific roles uh, and truth, I'm going to tell you that in this generation that's wanting to throw manliness out the window, I'm not preaching a new commandment to you. I'm preaching an old commandment in a new world. But you still got to be a Bible believing godly man. You cannot trade it away at the altar of satisfying a wicked, sinful culture. This world wants to emasculate you. This world wants to take away your manliness. But you must stand up and say, I will fulfill my role. I preached a message at, at a men's conference three or four or five or seven years ago. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm only naming odd numbered because, like, like, because, I, don't, because I just don't remember. I can come up with an excuse, but I just don't remember. I preached a message titled The Feminization of Fish because scientists had found in almost every major watershed and every water system in America and many places around the world that male smallmouth bass on the outside looked like male smallmouth bass. But on the inside, they were growing female sex organs. And so on the outside, they looked like men. But on the inside, they had been feminized. 
And so they did research, Brother Carson, and in the research, they found out that there were chemicals being dropped into the water that mimicked the effect of estrogen on those fish while they were, while they were just little minnows. That, that chemical in the water had so infected them that though they looked like male fish on the outside, on the inside, they were not male at all. And because of that mimicking of the estrogen, those male smallmouth bass had no ability to reproduce. And so the next generation, they were going to die even more and then more and more until there would be no more male smallmouth bass in the fisheries where they found this. The problem was not on the outside. The problem was on the inside. Something had so changed them on the inside that they were losing their ability to be what God had created them to be. Men of this generation, may I tell you that you must pray to God that the ideologies and the philosophies of this generation does not get into your spirit and your heart because if it does, on the outside, you'll walk like a man, but spiritually on the inside, you won't be the priest of your home and you won't be a leader in prayer and a leader in worship, but God, would you help us as Holy Ghost-filled men to get back to Bible? Oh, God, I... I'm not preaching a new commandment. Some of you are acting like this is something brand new. What I'm preaching to you goes all the way back to when Paul took his pen and he began to write to Timothy. And he said, Timothy, this is what a godly man is. He said, brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment. I think our internet's down. Is it still down? So our internet's down, so Facebook can't kick us off for this. Huh? I don't know what's going on. I, he, he spoke like German to me right now. I don't know what, something about live stream or this or that. Okay, well, then you might kick me off. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to let fear of some woke company keep us from preaching the word of God. The truth is that in this generation, the world does not need emasculated men who won't stand for anything, who won't lead their families in prayer and worship. What I'm preaching is not brand new. That, uh, that philosophy is what's new. What I'm preaching goes all the way back to the first days of the church. I'm not preaching a new commandment. I'm preaching an old commandment in a new world. Amen. He continued. Verse number 14. I'm, 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 I'm pushing this into another gear. First, first John, the same chapter that I just was in, a few verses down, verse 14. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God abideth in you. And you've overcome the wicked one. He's saying, guys... I'm writing to you because there's a word that you need to hear. You've known it from the beginning, but I'm just reminding you something. That just, just, so, just so Hollywood, I heard some preacher call it Hollywood. Hollywood, Washington, D.C. Somebody said that Jesus wasn't born in Washington, D.C. because they couldn't find three wise men or a virgin. 
Boy, I'm asking for it today, aren't I? I'm getting it out this morning. You got a, 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 an evangelist tonight. He's going to give you candy bars and junk. Well, I'm going to give you candy bars. If you don't say amen, you're not getting one thing out of this basket. <laughs> He said, men, I'm telling you something. Not because it's new, but because it's old. And there's a tendency to drop old things for something new and shining. There's a tendency to take something proven that has worked before and trade it in for something with a lot of bling and gleam and shine to it. He said, but fathers, I'm writing to you something that you knew from the very beginning. And young men, I'm writing something to you while you're strong, the word of God is in you, and you've got victory. Here's what you need to remember, men. Love not the world. Can I tell you teenage boys something? If you pray anything every day, you need to add this to your prayer list. Lord, don't let me fall in love with this world. Young fathers who have young children and you're wondering how will I raise this child to know God? The first step is you got to learn not to love this world. Don't love the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If a man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. Men, young men, you cannot fall in love with the things of this world and keep your heart right with God at the same time. There's a tug of war for your heart. The world wants it and God wants it. For all, everybody say for all, verse 16. For all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the pride of life is not of this, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. The things that the devil's designed for this generation are not designed, Brother Austin, to make you happy and spiritual and holy. All the things that the enemy is designed for this world. They are designed to get control of your heart. The devil doesn't want your body. He wants your body to get to your heart. And so he designs all these things to appeal to the flesh and to the eye and to man's pride solely for the purpose of getting to your heart. Because the Bible said the world passes away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I'm not preaching a new commandment. I'm not preaching new stuff. I'm not preaching a new message. I'm preaching an old message in a new world. Look at Matthew, 20, Matthew 7 and 24. 
I got to be careful not to wake some of you up. I don't want to spoil a good nap. Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. There is an all-out assault against Christian men in these last days. But you must learn the strategy of Satan. He does not want you building your house on a firm foundation. He does not want you building your family on the kind of stuff I'm preaching today. He wants you to be emasculated spiritually and not be a man of prayer and a man of worship and a man of faithfulness. He wants you to trade away the things of the Spirit for the things of this world. But a wise man will build his house upon the rock. Men, this is not about what you do. This is about building your house. God, help me take what I'm hearing today home and let me build my house on the rock. Let me go on. I got to go. I got to go. Matthew 12 and 29. How can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods? How can somebody go into a strong man's house and take his stuff? Except first... He bind the strong man, and then he'll spoil his house. Can I tell you, gentlemen, the devil wants your house. He wants your marriage. He wants your wife. He wants your children. He wants all of your spiritual valuables. How will a devil go into a strong man's house and spoil his goods unless first he bind the strong man? I was in a conversation with someone the other day and they were telling me how the things that they're doing, they're not wrong, they're right, they're okay. And I told him, I said, six months ago, you agreed with me. I didn't change. You changed. The Bible didn't change. You changed. Ladies and gentlemen, if the enemy's going to get in your house, he knows the first thing he's got to do is bind the strong man. Men, if he can weaken your conviction, he can get in your house. If he can weaken your faithfulness, he can get in your house. If he can weaken your prayer, and your worship, and your giving. He can weaken your house. That's why you've got to stay strong on the word of God so he can't spoil your house. He wants to take your valuables. He said he does this by binding the strong man. The strong man. To bind the strong man. That, that word strong man means a stronger than him. And so to do it, he's got to bind your relationship with God. It's got to bind your worship and prayer. And so when he gets you so tied up with the things of this world and bound by the cares of life and the concerns of this generation, then once he's got you bound, then he just parades your stuff out of your house, one after another.
after another. He wants to bind the strong man. He wants moms and dads to feel unreasonable because they don't yield from their biblical convictions. He wants to make you feel inadequate because you don't have the same value system as your neighbors and friends down the street. He wants to bind your worship with pride. He wants to bind your prayer life and choke off your relationship with God. If the enemy can bind you, he can bind the family. And if he binds the family, then so goes the church. God's plan is for the man to be the priest of the home, to be a spiritual leader. I'm, I'm, I'm coming towards a close. There are some wonderful women in this church who are single or your husbands are not serving God. And I want to tell you publicly that I appreciate you taking a stand and doing what's right for you and for your children. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your worship and thank you for your faithfulness. This is not intended in any way to diminish or demean what these great ladies are doing in the face of terrible spiritual opposition. But to you men who are here, it's God's plan for you to be the spiritual head of your family. And it's your responsibility to lead your family in a spiritual manner. An example in worship and prayer and faithfulness and giving and servanthood. If the enemy can bind you and keep you from being the spiritual leader you need to be, then the enemy has an inroad to your family. There's a story in the Bible about, a, about Moses when God had commanded Israel to circumcise the firstborn and then to circumcise all males as a matter of covenant with God. In this covenant, Moses, for some reason, refused to circumcise his son. God was angry and God threatened to bring judgment against Moses. And so his wife, Zipporah, circumcised the child and threw the foreskin at the feet of Moses and said, basically, I had to do what you wouldn't do. Because you wouldn't lead I had to do something that was your responsibility. And thank God for Zipporahs in this place who are filling the gap and doing for your family what you must do to have them right with God. Amen. But men, let me tell you that we need you to be more determined than ever to be faithful servants of God. Luke 18 and 1, and he spake a parable unto them. To this end, that men, everybody say men, are always to pray. Come on, men, say it. That men are always to pray and not to faint. Acts 2, 17, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men, say it with me, your young men shall see visions. 
and your old men shall dream dreams. Luke chapter 7, verse 31. And the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? To what are they like? God said, Jesus said, What are the men of this generation like? Are you still with me? Can I have about five more minutes? I'm not even going to play the trick where they preachers always say, can I have five minutes? How many, who, who over here? And then they start adding it all up. I'm not doing that. Unless I get to the end of my five minutes and need more. Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? Now, if you women don't say amen to this next phrase, I'm not preaching to you anymore today. They are like unto children. See, I knew you'd get there. What are the men of this generation like? Well, they're like children. Calling one to another, saying, we piped unto you. We played you a happy song, a worship song, and you would not dance. So we figure, well, they don't feel like dancing. So then we mourn unto you. We played a slow song, and you wouldn't weep. He said, the men of this generation are men who will not respond in worship no matter what we do. Proverbs 20 and 6, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Psalms 148, 12, Both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. Young men and old men, we've got a responsibility to worship God. <laughs> Psalms 107 and 8. Now look, there's 5,777 verses. I'm not going to read them all. Psalms 107 and 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the church. I'm not preaching a new message. I'm preaching an old message to a new world. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of men in this generation, Brother Carson, that have never heard preaching like this. There's a lot of men, there's a lot of churches that won't stomach preaching like this this morning. But I'm preaching, men, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works. There's a call to men. Samuel 10 and 6 and the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee and thou shalt prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man God turned me into another man God on this Father's Day in 2023 turn us into the men that you want us to be the husband I need to be.
the father I need to be, the friend that I need to be, the son that I need to be, the brother that I need to be, the pastor that I need to be. God, turn me. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, God, I pray for the Holy Ghost to come on our men this morning. Are there any men hungry for a move of the Holy Ghost in your life? Oh, God, turn me. and white and every car was like Fred Flintstones I looked at the boys in our church and I noticed the ones that were faithful and worshipped and came to the prayer room and were consistent they all had fathers that were faithful to church. And all the ones that I'd get calls that they'd be out doing stuff on the weekend. And all the ones that sat back and never came to the prayer room and never came to the altar and never responded. All of their fathers were either very spiritually cold or did not hardly come at all. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you'll be turned into another man. I would like for every man in this place every man and every young man to lift your hands to heaven. I preached an old message to a new world. I wonder if you gentlemen this morning would begin to say, God, let your spirit come on turn me into the man that I need to be. Every morning while I'm driving down the road by myself with a David I pray God help me to be the husband that I need to be. God help me to be the father that I need to be. God help me by your spirit to be what you called me to be. Brother Peyton, there was a 
time a few years ago when I was in a very low place. I was dealing with some deep discouragement, depression, a lot of frustration, a lot of stress. I didn't feel good. My health was, was not great. And all of that put me in a place where I'd come to church and I'd feel such a heavy load. I think back then I mostly stood on this side instead of over here. I usually stand wherever the chairs are so it's a shorter trip to them. And I was standing over here and back, Ellie was just a little girl. And in that worship service, to be honest, just, just being honest, I didn't really feel Brother Jamie, I didn't really feel like worshiping. My mind was so focused on all that stuff. And somehow, I glanced over at my little girl. And she was about 20 feet away, but she was looking right at me. Those beautiful blue eyes were looking right at me. And I realized I got a responsibility regardless of how I feel. I got a job. My job is to not let the enemy bind my worship. My job is to praise the Lord. My job, is, it's, not a, it's, a, it's an old message for a new world, but man, you don't have the right to sit back and not be involved in the worship and not be involved in the altar and not be involved in the preaching. You have a divine responsibility on you. As a man, you have a divine responsibility. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting holy hands without wrath and doubting. You have no right to enforce holiness on your females if you don't enforce it on yourself first. Everybody stand and lift your hands to heaven. Brother Benny, in some ways I feel like I'm preaching a new message to a generation that doesn't have a stomach for real biblical preaching. But what I'm preaching, that's right, yes, you are. She calls me V. have a right to not be engaged as your hands are lifted all over this place God I pray for men in 2023 the men that are in this room the men that are watching live right now and all those who may watch at some point in the future via some kind of media I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the strength in this generation to be the men that you called us to be. Many of the men have already come around the altar. I wonder how many fathers, how many husbands, how many 
boys would make their way to the altar with your hands lifted up and say, God, help me to be a Bible Christian man. To all of our new men, I understand you don't know everything there is to know about what we do. That's why you got to come to grow class and get in a personal Bible study and come to Wednesday nights. Come to church and learn. Take notes. Ask questions. You may not have it all figured out, but if you'll listen to this morning's message over and over and over, God will give you a blueprint for what it means to be a biblical godly man. I would that men pray everywhere, lifting holy hands. Can we do that? Can we do that? God, help me. Come on, talk to him. Lord, help me be the man that you called me to be. Help me to be the Christian example in my home. Help me, Lord, to learn how to deal with my wrath, to keep it in perspective. Help me to be a man of faith and to be able to vanquish doubt when it comes to my mind. Come on, help me pray. Now I want you ladies, if you will, gather around and help. If you have family members up here, that find them. If not, just, find, just gather around as a church. We need every revival church. I've traveled this country from coast to coast since I was 17 years old. I've traveled to over 40 countries, and every revival church I've ever seen had men who knew how to pray and men who knew how to worship and men that knew how to serve God and lead their families. Maybe reach over and touch a man or a young man that's nearby and put your hand on their shoulder and just say, God, help us to be godly men. Christian, I love seeing you up here with that boy. Thank you for what you did fixing that van for the church. I appreciate it. But what I appreciate more is let that boy see you living right and worshiping God and being faithful. Because long after you and I are gone, he'll still be here, and he'll be an example. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, praise God. That's right, Leather. Pray for your husband. Your boys need him to be faithful. Your boys need him. Thank God he serves. Thank God that he worships. But pray so the devil can't find him. Jesus. That's right. Oh, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost, move on our men. Come on, I want you to lift your hands and let the Spirit of the Lord touch you. Not just a little, not just a little Father's Day sermon, but the Bible said that when the Spirit comes on you, you'll prophesy and be turned into another man. What we need is a move of the Holy Ghost right now. We need the Holy Ghost to visit this altar the Holy Ghost to visit these daddies, these grandfathers, these husbands, these young men that some someday will be the bedrock of this church. 
you, Jesus. God, I'm asking you. God, I'm asking you in Jesus' name. God, I'm asking you in Jesus' name. Touch these men. Amen. Brother, brother, brother Carson, why don't you join me up here, if you will? Brother Benny, as one of our elders, why don't you join me up here? Brother Allen, I'd get you up here, but it's easier for you to stay there. I understand. Thank you for being faithful all these years. When it's hard to come, you still show up. Thank you. Amen. Men, lift your hands. Come here, God. I want all the men to lift your hands to heaven. Brother Carson, I'm going to ask you to help me pray that the Holy Ghost would fall on these men this morning. And the three of us are going to bind together. Thank you, Father. We, we know that without your Spirit, we can do nothing. Lord, you had to remind your disciples, without me, you can do nothing. We know that it's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit, Lord. We pray for strength, oh God, for every man in this church. That the glory of the Lord and the joy of the Lord that is our strength would keep us strong men. Not able for Satan to bind us. But, Lord, that we become free men, full of the Holy Ghost, anointed. Make us the men we need to be, God. The fathers we need to be. The grandfathers we need to be. The husbands we need to be. The children that we need to be. The Christians that we need to be. In the name of Jesus, we ask it, Lord. We thank you for victory. We thank you for strength. Strong men, Lord, that will not be bound by the enemy in Jesus' name. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise and let's worship him. Come on, can you lift your voice, men? There ought to be a shout, a manly shout of praise. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Why don't we lift our hands one more time and let's surrender everything to Him right now. There's a chorus. There's a chorus that says, I surrender everything to you. I give you everything. My life is not my own, but I belong to you. Ethan, why don't you sing it for us one time as we're closing today? I give myself away. I give myself away. Come on, every hand lifted.
come on, total surrender all over the room. Whatever you want me to do, oh Jesus. to become better today. God, we lift our hands one more time in total surrender to you. God, we want you to know you, you have all of us, every bit of us, every aspect of our life, God, whatever you want of us, whatever you desire of us, God, we surrender to you everything. God, we're not going to hold back anything any longer. We're not going to let pride hold us back from doing what you've called us to do. We're not going to hold, we're not going to let shame hold us back from worshiping you like we are called to worship you. But God, we lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands one more time into the Lord. got the kids about to sing to us. You can be making your way back to your seats. We're going to do a special Father's Day presentation. But as they're getting ready, we're going to give them just a moment. As they're giving, getting ready, can we go ahead and start giving out? We have special gifts um, for all the men in the house. If you are a father today, could you stand? We want to honor you. If you're a father today, could you stand all over the room? We want to honor you. We've got young men bringing baskets of, of treats to you. Just pick whatever you like, but only pick one. We'll make sure all the fathers get at least one thing. And as you get your gift, you can, you can be seated. But stay standing until you have gotten your gift. That way we can know who to give it to. And as they are passing out the gifts and as the children are, are getting ready, um, 
remember to all of our guests, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to all of our guests that joined us today. Bethlehem Church, let's make our guests welcome today. It's such an honor and a privilege that you would choose to join us this morning. And I'd like to personally invite you to the meet and greet immediately after service, immediately after they are done singing their song. Um, there's a meet and greet in the discipleship room. It's very easy to get to. Just go through the foyer, the prayer room. It's the that's the furthest door to the right in the prayer room. You'll see it back there. We'd love to treat you with some treats and refreshments and uh, get to know you a little bit better. Amen. You ready for the children to sing into the Lord today? Let's clap our hands as we make them welcome.
shout of praise. Give the hand, the, a hand to the children today for doing such a wonderful job. Aren't you thankful for the children today? Amen. Wonderful job today. Just want to say happy Father's Day to every father in the room. We hope you have a wonderful day today. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name. Remember, service tonight, 6.30, prayer at 6 o'clock. Meet and greet right now for all the guests.